Welcome to the Defence Forces podcast brought to you by the Defence Forces Public Relations Branch. Hello and welcome to the Irish Defence Forces podcast. My name is Captain Keen Clancy and today we welcome onto the show Naval Service Lieutenant Gary Jordan, a Marine Engineer Officer serving with the Irish Naval Service and also Project Officer for the Midlife Refit of the Irish Naval Vessel Ellie Roisin. Today we're going to talk about the details of the refit project and what undertaking such a project entails. Welcome onto the show Gary, thanks for coming on. Hi Keen, thanks. So I'm going to start and just ask you a bit about yourself. So can you can you give us a bit of, of your own background and introduce yourself? What drew you to Naval Service? Where you're from? Yeah, I'm just from local Kina in Cork. Uh, joined as a school leaver in um, 2003 as an executive branch cadet. And uh, just during that time, then that I realised that the subjects that I was doing in school were more aligned to marine engineering, and I did a transfer during the the, the first year of cadets. Uh, second year of cadets was our first year within college to do uh, marine and plant engineering. That was in National Maritime College of Ireland, uh, Open Ring of Skiddy. Um, from there then, it was just more between college time and seagoing experience. And graduated in 2007 and took on further, further sea time again to, to gain a, what's called a watchkeeping certificate uh, to become a fourth engineer. Uh, again, further sea time, um, took up a position then um, on completion of my second engineering watchkeeping ticket uh, on LEFA from 2010 to 2012. Um, from there, I was afforded an opportunity to complete a, a further education, a completed diploma in small craft surveying. Um, and completion of my time on board LE EFIDIN, um, I was uh, doing shore based appointments in what's called a planning and spectrum maintenance management office. Um, coming to 2014, then I actually applied for a leave of absence for a career break. Uh, the objective of that really was just to kind of extend uh, my education and um, uh, gain a, a further qualification in the chief engineering um, yeah. license. So I spent about just over a year on a super yacht um, based in the Caribbean and south of France. Wow, that sounds very nice. <laughs> yeah, it was good <laughs> at the time. Um, and during that time, I was lucky as well to um, begin a, a, an MSc in marine surveying as well. So I was uh, doing that at the same time. Uh, when I finished on the super yacht, then I actually moved on to Queen Mary too. the... Uh, cruise liner um, and that was again over and back between the Southampton and um, USA and the uh, round world trip on it as well I was lucky enough um, came back into the, the Defence Forces then uh, 2016 and um, completed my Chief Engineer course at NMCI again um, started the, the role of MEO out in Elineev and a year later I was found myself in Op Sophia back down the mid Oh. Um, but this time on a, on a navy ship as opposed to cruise ships and super yachts. It's doing a much different job, I imagine. Yeah, yeah completely different. Yeah. Um, 2018, then, um, while still on board um, LE Nave, I completed um, a certificate in naval architecture. So um, that was again furthering my, my education within here. Um, became a member then of the Royal Institute of Naval Architects and um, finished after two and a half years on board uh, P52 LE Nave. And for myself as project manager then on P51, um, Eleni or Eli Roisin, which is one project of the, the full P50 MLEP program, the Midlife Extension program. Wow, there's an awful lot of, uh, of education and further, further education going on in there, Gary, in fairness, fair play. Um, just for, for people at home as well, can, can you give us a bit of background information on, on Eli Roisin, like how, how long has she been in service and, and what prompts the need for a Midlife Refit program or Midlife Extension program? Yeah, Ellie Roisin, um, P51, she was built in Appledore, North Haven in the UK and commissioned into service then in 1999. Um, she's 78 metre long, um, 
offshore patrol vessel with, with decent um, Wartzel engines and um, normally have a crew of 44. And what would prompt the, the midlife extension project then would be the, the usual for ship's hulls would be 30 years expectancy. Um, so we've got a little bit over the 15 years here. So you'll also have major electrical upgrades that need to be take place. There's technological advances constantly going on in the maritime industry as well. Mm-hmm. So we had to kind of make sure we're up to, to modern speed with, with, those, with those systems. Um, yeah, and that's, that's mainly the, the objective of it then is just to um, advance and upgrade the, the ship then. Okay, right. Just within like international best practice and international standards. Um, can you outline just like your specific role as, as project manager then? What, what kind of, you're, you're, you're managing the entire project, but what, what goes into that? Um, I wasn't actually involved in the planning stage as far the, the, the programme itself. There was a separate team. I was on board uh, P52 Elinev, so I, they would have touched base with me just to gain some, some uh, advice on, on what was required out in the vessel. Um, but there was a separate project team based ashore. It took about two years for the planning of it. So there was a lot of OEM, which would be the original equipment manufacturers, a lot of interviews with them. Um, they would have engaged a lot of stakeholders, the, the planning inspector, maintenance management office, they would have had feasibility studies done, they would have had surveys done, and then they would have been doing further investigation into then what, what best equipment would be would be um, required to get on board on board the ships then once they're once they're outfitted. Right. And then just for for yourself then, yeah, like your your specific kind of responsibilities then would be like controlling, say controlling budgetary stuff or, you know. Yeah, sorry, yeah. So there's there's three of us in the the, the PMO, the project management office. And um once we once we get into the once the planning the process is finished and we're into the execution phase so from there we're, we're continuously monitoring and controlling the project itself and making sure that the scope is held to the, the schedule of work is kept at uh, the budget is maintained it's a significant budget obviously for a project and program like this um, and this constant engagement in with the, the main contractor uh, OEMs as I said that would be coming over uh, service engineers and it, it, we also had a crew on board at the time as well yeah. on site um, so it's constant engagement with them as well all right, fair enough. So, so to go into a little bit more detail into the actual carrying out of of the of the project and the of the program. So, I know it's been broken down into a number of phases. Can, can you go through what was involved in phase one with me? Yeah, so you did three phases. Phase one was dry dock phase, phase two wet berth phase, and phase three the outfitting and refit phase. And phase one is is basically when the ship is brought into dry dock. So that's the ship is out of water on blocks um, and held in that dry dock. Uh, underneath the ship is, is fully inspected and you've removal of your propellers, your shafts, your drive shafts, your bow thruster, your stabilizers. It's a full full survey of the under under hull of the ship. What else happens in there then as well for this project in particular is there's a full grit blasting of the ship from front to back, which is basically high pressure grit blasted at the ship to remove the paint. So it brings it back to red steel as we call yeah. it. And that gives us an opportunity then to do ultrasonic testing on the full hull just to see is there degradation on the hull to see if there's a minimum thickness required on the hull f- on ships and just to see if that has, has gone down to its minimum or, or does there, is there a requirement for steel to be replaced anywhere. Um, that's just on the underhull of it but then you, you also have work kicking off above the, yeah. the, the water line as well. Um, yeah. And like as regards um, say machinery on board like and that kind of stuff at what point you sort of start looking at that? No, that's that. That'd be further on in the project. Then into the next phase is um, there would there was one major replacement that would 
that we require the dry dock for. That's the removal of side of the ship. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, your domestic services on board, your sewage um, treatment plant, your domestic freshwater module, they're located below the waterline and they can only be removed and replaced in dry dock. Mm-hmm. Uh, it requires cutting out of the steel up in that, that area of the ship. And um, there was reconfiguration required in there as well because of the different sizes. As, as we were coming into best practice and, and um, conform to regulations, required the maritime regulations, the size of the plant increased and therefore there was a, a kind of a reorg, reorg required inside that area then. Um, but any other machinery then was, was further on down the line. Then. Okay, and, and that just that, that then it was just a function of, say, international best practice moving on from, say, 1999 when, when the ship would have come into service, there was a certain requirement and then there's been revisions since then. Yeah, you've constant updates on, on maritime requirements and regulations, but it also down to the fact that the obsolescence of parts played a big role in the, the, the extension project as well. Um, those, the, those items of machinery and equipment are there from the original build, and those spare parts then aren't, aren't available anymore. So the companies will have moved on in their technology and, and their plants and machinery, and which keep up to speed with them then. Okay, cool. Yeah, right. So so that was phase one where it was actually brought back out onto dry dock and, and, and sandblasted and that kind of thing. So moving on to, to phase two, I believe there was a very significant undertaking in phase two actually alongside the key wall. Yeah, phase two was a much longer period because there was significant electrical work to be carried out. It was a full cable replacement on board, um, upgrading all the electronic systems, the comm systems, the talkback systems, gyros, compass, fire control systems. Um, there was some minor services take place inside the removal of pipework. Um, removal of pumps, replacement of all those systems, um, replacement of Kelly davits, which are your boat launching cranes. So they're an upgraded version of the, the previous cranes that were on board as well. Um, there was a, a replacement of all your anchor handling machinery um, and an anchor replacement um, as well. Um, one big challenge that, would, that, that was required to be addressed during it was during a normal survey during, uh, alongside that, um, that period, um, we found that there was huge degradation within a silencer, exhaust gas silencer, which are basically their units about two stories tall that will have insulation and um, soundproofing uh, material inside them. Uh, once we found that they were they were they endured damage um, just from age, uh, you're required to remove the actual funnel of the ship, which is a taking off the, the, the top yeah. of the ship basically to remove these and replace with new ones. Um, it was a challenge then. I suppose in the middle of that, it was it's throwing your schedule out of out of sync. Um, yeah. it's adding to budgetary costs. Um, but these are all the, the challenges that we'd face in as a project management team. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and uh, there's obviously going to be probably some unexpected things that you do see happen. Just with regard to say exhaust engines, is that to silence the noise of the engines inside the ship or or externally? Both. Yeah. So it's it's the exhaust gas will be coming up through it, but yeah. you you'll have um, insulation surrounding it the whole way up from the exhaust outlet and the engine. To the, to the top of the funnel, hence why the, the entire funnel would have had to come off for that, it's like taken off the top of the ship. So then moving on to phase three, I believe there's a lot of internal work involved in that part of it. Yeah, I think the phase three was the outfitting phase, the refit phase. This was where the ship was actually brought back to Hallbowl Naval Base and the work carried out here. Um, the, the unfortunate thing there was, I suppose, we, we met a, two challenges there was the pandemic itself, the COVID-19 and the Brexit. Um, it just made things a lot more difficult trying to get um, spare parts in, trying to get service engineers over. Um, that was the first challenge we faced and we were hoping that it would be a straightforward phase. Um, so the phase three then, yeah, so that was fully interior work um, mainly. 
So there was an outfitting of uh, the galley, the ship's kitchen there. Um, so that was brought back right to a steel base, right back to steel floor, steel mm -hmm. steel walls. And um, we brought in our own um, chefs in from the naval base and got them to assist in the design of it. At the end of the day, they're the end users, they're the, the guys that will be trying to cook our meals when they're, they're out at sea. So yeah. um, it, it was just to make things easier for them. Um, and then as well as that, then it was just the interior, soft furnishings was all completed as well. And it would be your, your decks, your floors, um, your your mess areas, your living spaces. Again, the aim there was just to make things upgraded and more comfortable for people when they're at sea. Um, but in, internally as well, then you had machinery upgrades, you had um, your main engines, the, the Wartzilla main engines were also serviced, generators, air compressors, all the, the machinery that we could be doing on our side over here without specialist contractors having to be brought in. Um, to where we fought, where we found those challenges with Brexit and, and the pandemic was bringing OEMs and service engineers into commission systems um, further on. But then I had uh, two guys in, in my office and they, they were also working in the background and bringing on all the new equipment as assets, yeah. is what we'd call them. So they had to go into the system, they had to be captured as new equipment, all their maintenance had to be uploaded. And you're starting fresh nearly with a, with a new ship nearly. Yeah, yeah, and I find it interesting though as well. I mean, and and very uh, forward looking that the, that the chefs were brought in and consulted on as in how to how to put this this kind of how how to put this equipment back in and how it's how it's how it's going to be used. Like you know, and we obviously all know that the, the food is very important out at sea. Like you know, and that's one of the yeah. The, the important thing I suppose was to was to speak to the people that would be underground, the end users. So yeah. even even in as I mentioned about the the upgrading of the interior messes, this is this is where they have their downtime, where people at sea have their downtime and they'll watch their bit of telly in the evenings and that. So it, it had to suit them as well and it had to be comfortable for them, um, especially at sea. Um, they're all in there together and it was just, just a common sense approach to, to bring the end users in and, and discuss all these options with them. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, no, that I mean, it, it just sound, I mean, and that is that phase that is so important. So at, the, at this point, we've gone through, as you say, we've gone through phase one, which is your dry dock phase, phase two, your wet birth phase, and then phase three, the the outfitting phase. So at that point, what is the process? What, what, what the process for getting Roisin back to sea and like you know certifying her? Yeah, effectively, you're you're breathing life back into a ship that has been idle for two years. So it is. It's, it's going to be a slow process, and that's. I mean, we, we did our own snag, snag list on board first, um, see what we were going to be facing, and then we move into what's called the Harbour Acceptance Trials, or HATS. Um, this is a significant period and a significant milestone. Um, it's, a, it's a long period as well. It's, it's a running up of every bit of equipment, testing everything, testing them to their limits alongside, um, seeing what the issues are and dealing directly with OEMs, the, the original equipment manufacturers, the service engineers on that. And basically taking all the boxes that the ship is safe to operate, put it in alongside mode prior to bringing it to sea. Um, and like, would you have come across many sort of challenges in that, like, or? Yeah, just again, the the the, the pandemic was was a major challenge there. Um, it would have probably been completed sooner. It, it did end up having a delay for us due to guys trying to get work done, and you're you're making sure there's social distancing involved. Um, trying to get service engineers from Italy or, or the UK even uh, is difficult. There's just quarantine issues, there's red lists and we've, we've been through all that. Um, so yeah, so that was the biggest challenge there. The, we got over the, the Brexit side of things with, with uh, parts, uh, delaying parts coming in. Yeah. But, but we made, we got them on time due to the delay because of the pandemic as well. Yeah, so yeah, it exactly. all worked in well together. Yeah, one, one delay kind of, one delay sort of helped another delay to a certain extent. Um, and like, so taking taking Roisin out to sea, that must have been a big moment as well for her crew as well. You know, it must have been a really sort of moment of celebration almost. 
Yeah, that's one thing I noticed there when we when we took when we were ready to go on sea trials. Um, it was a what I noticed the, the, the pride in the captain's face actually. Um, I think Commander Grace Fanning it was it was a very proud moment for her, and that's that's one of the things that we noticed from her. She she's been with the ship since it began. It's it's Emily P um, downtime, um, and for her to bring it out to Harbour then was, was a huge significant moment for us, for ourselves as well in the, the project management office and for the crew um, that, that have been with the ship since the start of the MLP and those that have joined um, as new crew members to bring her to sea. Um, yeah, so they, they then began the sea acceptance trials, which is, again, just putting all the machinery through through their, their limits, pushing them to, the, to their limits um, and just operating everything that, that has been changed and upgraded yeah, yeah, and like so, and with the sea acceptance trials, do they is that for a long period of time? Would the vessel be taken out for a, for a number of days or or what? To to go through everything, like so, I presume, like as part of the sea acceptance trials, there's obviously like the hull and all that kind of the 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 kind of life stuff needs to be tested, but also like the sh the kitchens and the and the kind of everybody needs to sort of see how everything is is working. Yeah, the majority of it was completed during the hats, the harbour acceptance trials there, so everything was run up, um. The sea acceptance trials are just about a week long, mainly. Um, it's, it's just to run everything up in the environment at sea, make sure everything is, I suppose, held together in a way, and uh, and can take the sea. And so they completed that within a week, which is good. Um, the, 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 hats, uh, the hats, as I said, were, were four or five weeks long, and that's the that's the real the real important one. Yeah, yeah. And so so at so at this point, then after the sea acceptance trials, the Roisin is kind of is ready for. For, for, to go back to sea, or is is there more after that? Or um, there's there's one more little tick the box exercise, which is just into a short dry dock. Um, again, only a, a week long, um, and that's just basically just to confirm that everything un underneath has survived the, the sea trials, you could say, and um, then she'll be she'll be going fully operational. So we're at the, the closeout phase now of, of this of the project and opening up for the next one. Fantastic, and, and I suppose then to, then to move on. So so. You, you are you continuing on as a project manager? So, so there's another there's another midlife refit in in pro, in train. Yeah, so it's the the midlife extension program with with the two projects P fifty one and P fifty two, Roisin and and Neve, uh, respectively. So Neve, um, she was two thousand and one um, when she came into service. So she's also meeting her criteria for the the life extension program. So we're, we're beginning the the initiation phase now of that as well. Her sistership. Um, a lot of lessons learned and, and can be taken over to it. Um, but yeah, myself and um, my team, my project management team below in the, the office are, are carrying on this one. Um, and it'll be a new crew to face the, their challenges over in, in yeah. dry dock and phase two and phase three. Hopefully without the, the challenges that yeah, COVID-19 and, yeah, and, uh, yeah. and have brought. But um, I suppose for, that'll be an interesting kind of one to add to your experience in the Naval Service as well to have said that you had presided over the the extension projects of... Um, both Roisin and Neve of an entire kind of class of ships. Yeah, it um it's been great experience. Um, just learning um the the, the project management processes. Uh, I actually began undertaking a, a master's in project program management at the moment since last September in in University of Limerick. So it's all kind of linked together there, and it suits to be able to apply your theory to practice live there with 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 the the, the program the MLEP. 100% there's lots of fodder there for uh, for college assignments you've lots of experience you can throw in fair play to yeah, you as well for going back and busy, doing busy busy yeah. two years yeah yeah I wonder if that's that's fantastic well at the end of that thanks very much for an excellent breakdown of, of the project um, a lot of those details most people would have no idea about Gary so listen thanks very much for coming on it's, it's very much appreciated thanks for talking to us yeah you're welcome no problem Keen.
For further information on the Irish Defence Forces, check out our social media channels at military.ie. Serving members are also encouraged to check out the members area of military.ie. The Irish Defence Forces podcast is available on Spotify, Acast, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode was produced by Corporal Keith Harrison of the Defence Forces Audiovisual School. The Irish Defence Forces podcast will be back soon with further episodes. Until then, thanks for listening and stay safe.